0: Welcome to Marketing Thought Leadership, the podcast that offers insightful discussions on thought-provoking marketing topics. Here's the host of our show, marketing consultant, speaker, author, and educator, and the president of Leverage 2 Market Associates, Linda Popke. Hi, this is Linda Popke, and welcome to our latest episode of Marketing Thought Leadership. We're here today with Leah Weiss. Leah is the author of How We Work, Live Your Purpose, Reclaim Your Sanity, and Embrace the Daily Grind. She's a Stanford Business School professor, a corporate consultant for companies like LinkedIn, Google, and the Amidjar Group. She's an author and a public speaker, and she's spoken to places like TEDx, Intuit, Google, LinkedIn, Kaiser Permanente, and YPO. She's also an expert in corporate mindfulness, compassion, and purpose. Welcome, Leah.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Okay, it's great to have you here. So you're finding purpose in everyday tasks. And I know that as much as we look for purpose, sometimes you think, oh, gee, I, I would get to the purpose if I could get to what I'm doing every single day, right? So if you're in a, say, a large marketing team, how do you find purpose in what you do every day?
1: Purpose is something that's vital for individuals and organizations. In a time where one out of three people is actually able to say what their job description is and how they fit into the organization, that means two out of three people that are at work don't know what they're doing and why. So we have to start from the fundamentals, make sure that people understand the big picture, which I like to describe as the puzzle box top and how they fit in and their colleagues fit into making that vision happen.
0: That's interesting, the puzzle box top. So you feel like you're the piece, and maybe you see the piece next to you, but you're not seeing the bigger picture of what that whole puzzle is going to look like when it's put together.
1: Yes, and this is the role of leaders. And we don't have to be in the top layer of the org chart to be able to be a person that's continually helping connect up the day-to-day activities and whatever sprint we're on with our team and ourselves with this bigger picture. And when we are more able to do that, then we become recognized as an effective leader. When we're able to connect up the mundane, let's get this thing done, because it's what we've said we would do this quarter with our bigger goals, that's when we pull out the engagement and the passion in the people around us, but we need to start with finding that ourselves in our own clarity and in our own approach to our work.
0: Well, that's interesting because we can't help others until we help ourselves, right? And if if we're one of those two out of three that doesn't know what our purpose is, how can we help the people who work for us? So it, it, it's kind of, it's not starting from the top and waiting for things to come down, but kind of looking at what's around you, what you can impact.
1: Absolutely, and the biggest place that things break down is in the middle often there's a lot of clarity at the top but when that starts to get translated into the efforts of other people in the organization that's where things fall apart so it's vital for everybody who's a leader or an aspiring leader to take that responsibility to ask questions to understand and I can't tell you how many times I've heard the CEOs of major companies who visit my class at Stanford or who I've interviewed, and I talk to them about what are the key differentiators in the employees that thrive in their workplace. And it is this taking ownership, this – that. Passion and purpose that they bring to the organization that they care and they want to understand, and they're going to ask until they do understand, and then they're going to help support other people to get them
0: invested. That makes sense, and it sounds great. So, suppose you're let, let's just take another example. Suppose you're working in an area such as social media, uh, and if we look at what's going on today, you're getting just a ton of negative news, you're getting all these shocking headlines. You may put out something that you think is quite innocuous and then the trolls come and kind of hit you. So how do you use mindfulness and self-compassion? You've got to be sitting there saying, why am I doing this?
1: Absolutely. It's a challenging time and it's more important than ever that we pay attention to our own mindset. And I love that embedded in your question is the, the answer to how we can do that. We need to have self-compassion when we are in a time where we feel like we can't win, like whatever we put out there is going to get blowback. We need to understand that we're not alone. We need to understand that this is part of the era that we're living in. We need to approach ourselves like we would approach a colleague who came to us with the same problem. If someone that we worked with, that we have a good relationship with, said, hey, I just put up this set of ads. I thought it was going to be great, and here's what came back, and I'm devastated, think about the attitude you'd respond to them with. Think about the coaching you'd offer them then turn that in towards yourself because I can't tell you how high the rates of self-criticism are and how debilitating that is for us, that the people who are the most resilient, who can actually embody that fail fast, learn from failure um, attitude, they have this ability to be compassionate to themselves, to to recognize I had this thing happen and it felt terrible, but – I'm going to learn from it, and I'm going to seek support, and I'm going to move forward. That's the way that we need to approach
0: it. Now, that's really interesting because I think a lot of us think, gee, we've got to work with everyone else. If you're a manager, you've got to worry about the people below you. Maybe you've got to worry about your, your management above you. And I think you're right. I think too many times we don't take the time to, to be nice to ourselves. We're nice to everyone else around us, and we kind of take a lot of this uh, criticism internally and and, and um, take it to heart for ourselves. So I think that that's really interesting, that part of resilience is self-compassion, which I don't think gets enough um, attention.
1: Yeah, and then we're modeling for the people on our team how we want them to approach it. We want them to learn from failure. We need to show them that we own our own, whether they're mistakes or just something we didn't anticipate, and we, if we can actually be transparent when we have these kinds of situations, those are the actions we take as leaders that foster um, real commitment and real relationships with other people who are gonna trust us more because we didn't try to throw someone else under the bus when this happened. We own it, we try to make sense of it, we show them that whole process So it actually ends up impacting everyone around us by demonstrating through our own behavior.
0: That's great. That's great. So how do you begin to effectively bring your emotions into the workplace? Because certainly we've all seen occasions when there were people who got emotional when they shouldn't have been or or their emotions made them less effective. But how do you do that and still kind of maintain an effective environment around you?
1: So the key thing to keep in mind is that emotions are physical. Emotions are our body's way of understanding our environment and whether we're safe or unsafe. Emotions are physical. They're our body's way of understanding whether we're safe or unsafe in our environment. So we can't, nor would we want to get rid of them. The thing that we need to do is learn to work with them effectively. And the problem is that many of us in the workplace have been taught that we should suppress our emotions. We should not show what we're feeling. We should not be feeling anything, which is highly problematic because then we become like a balloon that's being poked in at one side. We're going to poke out in another (laughs) place or we're going to burst, and neither of those are good outcomes. So what we want to do is learn the skills of understanding that we can't get rid of our emotions, we don't wanna get rid of them, we need to have emotional intelligence, which means that the first step of that is emotional narration or our ability to know as we're working, I'm triggered, I'm afraid, I'm angry, um, which sounds simple, but it's not that easy to do. And then as we get better at that, developing our communication skills so that we're not suppressing, so that we're working with things in a way that um, that is productive so we can express with candor what's happening in a way that's also appropriate. And I think for many people, they don't have a a clear sense of what that would look like, so we picture either my two options are stuffing it or throwing a chair at the wall, and there's a big range in the middle between those.
0: And I think this is really important because in light of the recent progress, huge progress that's been made on the Me Too front, I think there are people who are, first of all, in some in some instances, being encouraged to talk about things that happen. But there are also other people saying, "Whoa, I, I've got to be very careful. I've got to keep all my emotions suppressed because I don't want to be misunderstood, or I don't want um, to appear that I'm doing something that's inappropriate. So I need to I need to stay more buttoned up." So in this type of environment, you see, this is becoming kind of more of an issue that there are things that have to be. We we have to give people more of a direction as to how they use their emotions effectively.
1: And I think a big piece of this is that this is where mindfulness plays in, and not just mindfulness of what I'm feeling, but mindfulness of what's going on in the room. If Mm -hmm. we are distracted or if we're preoccupied, we don't recognize the signals that other people around us are uncomfortable if we can be present and aware of what's in the room there's often cues when there's um, elements of a discussion that are not working for people there there will be body language the question is will we pick up on it and it's our job as managers um, as leaders to be aware of what is in the room our own emotions but also indicators of other people having um, reactions and You know the best leaders are people who can ask the right question um, who can at the right time it doesn't mean putting someone on the spot in a 20 person meeting but it means being aware if one of your employees behavior is changing they're becoming withdrawn um, they're not speaking up when they usually do you want to notice this you want to ask them how they're doing what's going on if they need any support because if you ignore this over time, this is what creates the kind of psychological lack of safety or toxic environment where people are really disconnected from the discomfort of others, and that breeds the kind of behaviors that are coming to light now.
0: I think that's so important and, and really and, and and I think the other thing that that's a little more difficult too is we do so many remote meetings and uh, and so we might be on Zoom or skype or or whatever. Um, And so how do we pick up some of those cues when it's kind of two-dimensional, you're not physically in the room, but you've got someone on the other end of a device?
1: I think we need to be more basic in the questions we're asking and more intentional in the check-ins that we have when we ask people how they're doing, um, that when we hear someone isn't speaking, we acknowledge it. we need to be more not less attentive because we're missing so much information by not being in the same room. And then the other thing I would say is we need to be really attentive to the opportunities we do have in person. And this has been a place I think a lot of the savvy organizations are really making good use of their off sites. There was an era right. when it was, you know, off sites were about paint guns. And now I think the smart organizations like This is the kind of context I'm invited in to do work with teams because they realize that this engineering team is spread all over the world or this marketing team is all over the world, and they have a weekend together. They need to use that time to really forge important, collaborative, purposeful, compassionate relationships that they will then carry back when they disperse around the world.
0: Exactly, exactly. So can you tell us – can you give us maybe just one or two soft skills that, that would be really important um, to develop first in these type of environments? And Because it can sound so overwhelming. We need to be mindful. We need to be aware. But what are one or two things we can do to start developing these types of competencies?
1: Yes. In my book, I start from the perspective that we need to learn um, while we're working to Stay attentive to our own physicality, to our Mm -hmm. own bodies, and to our own reactions. Because as I mentioned before, emotions live in the body, stress lives in the body. When we are um, chronically stressed or when we feel afraid in our workplace, all of our mental resources are hijacked. We can't be productive. Um, there's no way, our, our, we are wired as, as creatures that when we are in reptilian brain fear mode, we can't think, we can't be creative. So we need to start with the fundamentals of knowing what we're feeling, tending to emotional intelligence. And then I'd say the other must-have is to get really clear. If we are clear on our role, if we're clear on the roles of the people around us, That will be immensely helpful. And the fact is that all of our companies are changing so quickly. So even if we were clear when we started, are we clear today based on how things have been updated with our current strategic plan? Do we understand? And if we don't, we wanna be proactive to ask questions and that will be appreciated. That will be valued by um, leadership. That's something that you shouldn't be afraid to do. You've got to just step up and start doing it.
0: That sounds wonderful. That's excellent. Um, good news. So we want to be attentive to our bodies and show what's going on and be clear as to what our roles are, and that, that's a great place to stop. Do you have any mindfulness tips or advice specifically for those in marketing?
1: I think that one of the most interesting pieces of mindfulness is relevant um, to people in marketing, which is that we are, our perceptions are so subjective and the more clear we are with our mindfulness practice about how our interpretations are built, uh, the better we can serve the people that we are working for. So one of the really, to use the research term, um, one of the skills that mindfulness practice gives us is empathic accuracy, meaning I read other people
0: Mm. correctly.
1: So I would, in recognizing when you're in marketing that your own ability to perspective take and to understand and be empathetic um, for the points of view and how to influence them will come directly out of your increased ability to be mindful.
0: That's great advice. This is so fascinating. and We could talk forever, but I know we've, uh, we, there's just so much in your book to cover. So if people wanted to learn more and find out about this, where would they go? The best
1: place to stay connected is through my website, Leah Weiss PhD, and I've got a newsletter you can sign up for where I share the most recent research and little chunks so that they're accessible, um, and you can find a lot of articles and research and videos um, on the website.
0: That's fantastic. We've been talking with Leah Weiss. She's the author of How We Work, Live Your Purpose, Reclaim Your Sanity, and Embrace the Daily Grind. Thank you so much, Leah. It's been wonderful to have you here discussing this.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a great pleasure.
0: This is Linda Pofsky. Until next time, thank you for listening to Marketing Thought Leadership. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Marketing Thought Leadership brought to you by Leverage 2 Market Associates. If you'd like to find out how powerful marketing results can transform your organization, contact us at www.Leverage2Market.com.